Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my discussion of curated roles in Destiny 2. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live twitch.tv slash say no to rage or follow me on Twitter at say no to rage. If you're listening to this right now live, you can check out this podcast in those places as well. Just search SNTR Presents. Basically what I said with curated roles is it's a great iteration on random roles. It gives players freedom to search for different ones, but also kind of clue in maybe the more average or more casual player that there are pinnacle versions of guns and roles. Uh, and if you don't like it, you can always break it down for the Masterwork Horror. I want them to use this the same way they did with the Luna's Howl to add unique perks that leads to unique power and versions of weapons to maybe start unseating year one weapons. So let's jump right into the questions. Uh, Ho says, instead of skill-based matchmaking, Bungie sometimes goes after, would you think, stack protection should be in- introduced? Oh, so as opposed to skill-based matchmaking, go to stack protection. The main issue with protecting against stack protection is this, and I've, we've talked about this a handful of times. I don't necessarily know if there is an adequate solution, and the reason being is that it's really, really hard to find four players every time you need four players. So what you're looking for then is trying to at least find some mix where the four players are going up against maybe two twos and like a three and a one or something. I think the 4v4 just makes it really, really difficult for them to pair people up and not make people that are stacked up to four take an eternity uh, to find a match. I had somebody say, you know, oh, the poor stacks are going to have to wait forever to match make. You know, what about the poor solo players? And my comeback to that is, you're the one playing a team-based game mode without teammates. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. I understand. I totally do. I totally understand that sometimes you just want to solo queue. Sometimes you don't have any friends to play with, and it's just easier to solo queue, or you haven't quite found people that you enjoy playing with. Like, I get that, but at the same time, if I'm stacked up with a team going into a team-based game mode, my experience shouldn't be, in my opinion, hindered because, the, the, you know, you want protected against a four-stack. I, I think there's plenty of opportunities to send messages to players, to, you know, use a community like ours, use LFG, you know, find people to play with. Going into an objective-based game mode by yourself, you kind of should know what you're signing up for. And given that reality, making it to where someone running with a squad just can't get a match, I think is a is a misfire. So I understand they should try to prefer solos versus solos. And a lot of the times when I was solo queuing in Gambit, I was going against other solos. Uh, but then when we played today, we, we didn't face, I don't think, a full team once. So clearly, organized teams are kind of having their way with solos periodically. But when I've been playing by myself, I don't notice this disproportionate. Like, every time I open, I'm like, oh, another stack, up oh, another stack. I don't notice that. So I think, I think sometimes folks maybe overstate the pain a little bit. Like, or maybe you just have really bad luck. I know it's frustrating, but I don't think the solution is to extend matchmaking don don with 24 months of subs thanks for keeping your prime sub here man that's two entire years that's the gold badge and then clone with 15 months welcome back thank you so much for keeping your prime uh, sub here don don and thank you clone for going for more than a year of support welcome back both of you uh next next question 
Dr. Kirkju says, how does damage work on the primeval? My team never seems to burst in five seconds. Okay, so basically what we do with our strategy is we are not uh, doing any damage to the primeval uh, until their first invasion is over. So we use a tether to clear the platform. Uh, and when we use that tether to clear the platform, killing the envoys is key to getting primeval slayer buff the very first one. It'll, it won't have a stack. It won't be times two or anything. Uh, and that's the key to getting that. Once you get that, it's a bit of a waiting game. By the time you finish you know, waiting for that first invade to be over, you should, uh, you should have primeval two to three. At that point, what we do is this way you're not relying on ammo because ammo drops are really inconsistent. I've gotten pretty tilted at the end of, you know, a game of Gambit where I'm running around with kinetic. It's very frustrating. We had some games today where I was running around with kinetic and it didn't matter because we've pivoted our strategy away from relying on ammo. What we do then is we use melting point with a Titan. And if you hit a melting point boss with blade barrage, it's it's basically a broken amount of damage uh, that you can do in such a fast uh, amount of time. And the reason that that's so nice is it's hard for the other team when you do this. It's really hard for them to catch you or stop you. Because um, if you think about it, once they invade and you, you haven't done any damage yet, so even if they come over and they slow you down... That's totally fine. Apparently, I've only killed one Taken boss or mini boss uh, in the Dreaming City. So we're just going to have to keep farming. Maybe there's a Lost Sector we should be farming instead. I'm just going to keep running pubs because it's it's mindless. I also need to pick up the Baryon. Uh, we are working on the Malfeasance quest. We got the, uh, the Meatball, or as many people like to call him, the Butthole this morning. Uh, so that's how we do it. You have to wait. Don't let the don't let the invasion freak you out. You basically either let the invader get a couple kills and get the frick out, or just hide or try to kill the invader. Once the invader's gone, now it's time to melt. Now, one of the frustrations with this strategy is if a team is playing from behind, because what they can end up doing is they can still send blockers. And this is something that I have kind of a bit of a fundamental disagreement with the blockers that people are sending clutter up your already killed platform and when they do this they slow you down now your already cleared platform gives a shared slayer buff to the other team and again this is something i have a humongous disagreement with from a design standpoint Bungie's standpoint is basically like it's not a it's not a true one-to-one -one shared buff and this is the only way teams can catch up I don't really care if a team falls that far behind. Like, maybe delay how quickly we get Slayer buff times two, because we get it for killing the envoys, and then we get it to times two by waiting. It's possible that window of time should be extended, so that way it's not a rubber band mechanic that allows teams to catch up, but there's a bigger window of time before we get our Slayer buff times two, and then they could potentially then catch up and clear their platform and start uh, killing. Because what we do is once that invader's gone, we then go to melt. Well, if they've sent a bunch of ogres and small blockers, they tend to get in the way. Now, sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and ignore all those ads and melt. But now your platform's cluttered and they've got a buff that they didn't earn. And then they can 
skip the envoys and just melt because there's only two envoys and like a couple of trash mobs. I don't like playing against teams that play from behind. It's not a huge problem when you run stacked because a lot of the teams are a bunch of solos anyway and it's hard for them to coordinate that. So I would just like to see them not allow rubber banding to be so, so influential over uh, the flow of the game. But that's how we melt is melting point blade barrage and you wait after first invasion pivot to damage. Uh, it's Crespo. How do you feel about some random roles being better than the curated roles, like the Mindbender's Ambition, Tyranny of Heaven, Warden's Law, for example? Warden's Law will probably be really, really good. I don't know how he's moving so fast. Warden's Law will probably be really bu- good if they change the way the crits register, but as far as um, the Mindbender's being better... Again, I don't actually know what their thought process on some of the curated roles, so maybe there's a few that need tweaked, and that's up to Bungie to kind of listen to the community and say, okay, we misfired on that curated role. That curated role should be uh, should be something that's more beneficial to that archetype or more beneficial to uh, its source. Um, so I think that... I, I genuinely think that that is... Sometimes, sometimes something that the community could have some influence on. But overall, overall, I don't necessarily think we have to, um, we have to always have every curated role be perfect because I think it is good to give players that ability to say, no, I, I kind of want, I kind of want to go for a different role. I want to go for a different thing. You know, Rampage Outlaw on the Warden's Law is a good example right? Rampage Outlaw, you might like more. It just handles better. It suits your playstyle more. And you may actually argue that that is better. That is better than running the curated. Well, if they fix, if they fix the way the crits land and it combines with four times a charm, you may change your tune or you may not. You may say, nah, Rampage Outlaw is still, still my go-to. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that player freedom is good. And I think sometimes Bungie not creating every single god role in the game is good because then that leaves room, you know, for, for some player volition instead of everybody just being like, I mean, think about it. If everybody's basically saying all the roles are not as good as the god role, the curated role, then what you're doing is is you're kind of going back to D2 year one where everybody's looking for a, uh, everybody's looking for a static role to drop, right? Everybody wants this static role to show up and that static role is is the best role i i kind of like how not every curated role is at that level um because that's a decent that's a decent way to promote uh diversity player freedom etc instead of feeling like you're literally wasting your time unless you get the uh the curated role because they are, i mean the curated roles are static Hmong says, should the curated role be changed every season? Like, obviously, this is another thing I didn't touch on. Curated roles are an opportunity to use the seasonal injection of content in a way that is a little bit more exciting every season. Because then you could say all Nightfall Gears curated roles have been updated. Um, you know, all, all uh, maybe even perk pools have been changed. We've added, you know, u- new unique perks this time around especially with annual pass content like the black armory could really afford to say you know hey we're going to uh we're going to add new perks that can land on weapons from black armory content 
and then when we're you know when we're done with that the next season is joker's wild we're gonna do the same thing we're gonna inject new perks all curated roles get swapped around that could be pretty cool i think um afc dmc do you think gambit games will get worse with meatball more often because every player is trying to invade and not get moats no because i don't if you're trying to go for meatball i don't know why you would invade and not go for moats you want to bank first get the boss out and go for the melt if you're just invading and not banking moats i'm not really sure what strategy is linked to this i might not be understanding your logic every player trying to invade and not get moats um I don't, I don't know why, what the meatball has to do with that. I, you, in my thought process, you'd be banking moats and going for the kill like we did today. We were well ahead the other team, and it made a difference, right? We were able to kill and not really have to worry about the other team even being close to us um, because they were... They, I don't even think they had their summoned when we killed ours. Uh, Sludgy Pudgy, do you feel that implementing a curated role-specific perk completely unique to the gun or archetype could help the desire to farm for said gun and make the grind more worth it, or do you feel that it would impact gameplay in a negative way? I mean, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth, because we don't want to have people feel like the curated role is the only role worth using, but I also think that's the best way to introduce unique perks, because then you're saying... This is this is the gun that you want to get, you know. Maybe maybe unique perks should be reserved for questline legendaries like the Luna's Howl and the Not Forgotten, and curated roles couldn't have that. But again, I'm looking at the raid and thinking none of the raid gear is that exciting. None of the perks in the raid gear, nothing in the raid matters. It just doesn't, except for 1K voices. Tyranny of Heaven, you can live without. You don't need it. It's okay now. You know, the Malfeasance and the Wishender are getting are getting buffs. I would love for Bungie to come back on a season and say, hey, uh, this annual pass is going to do more than just bring a raid layer. We want the raid to be sort of uniformly raised in relevancy. All raid gear, all raid guns now have these new perks that can drop on them. All curated roles in the raid have been updated. So you're grinding both the Last Wish raid and the raid layer kind of in tandem i think that'd be a really cool way to make the raid layer not feel like such a like i i feel like the raid layers land and they're just kind of ho-hum because they add like what two whole guns and then you're kind of done it'd be neat if the raid layer landed and then that updated the main raid and then that was a justification for the perks getting updated and the maybe even the curated roles getting updated because the guns right now in the last wish raid are are they're they're fine but there's nothing about them that says raid there's nothing about them that says this is worthy of long time investments this is this is this is a reward deserving of players that it took 20 hours to worlds first other you know other teams more than that other teams took you know 30 hours to complete or more or whatever that you know however long it took people to beat it um i think that the raid gear right now doesn't feel in line with they delta scaled the absolute ever-loving frick out of us and some of the best teams in the world barely got it done in 24 hours and then you reward us with gear that's as good as year one gear 
I don't like using the term slap in the face. I feel like slap in the face gets thrown out a little too liberally sometimes. Like, people are just a little too free with that expression. But that is kind of a slap in the face that one of the hardest raids they've ever built rewards gear that is as exciting as gear we've all already gotten before. So, that I think is a great way to change that with future content, annual pass stuff, and even, um, as I said, seasons could bring, you know, perks and new curated roles. Captain Sleep, is there, uh, if there was a Luna Howl for PvE, wouldn't that go back to the Galahorn days? No, absolutely not. The 1k voices is, is, is the Galahorn right now. Luna is a Luna is a quest line pursuit that anybody can grind for. Same with Broadsword. Same with the Not Forgotten. The Galahorn. This is where your parallel kind of isn't functioning. Galahorn was an RNG drop in endgame content. The 1K Voices is basically our Galahorn. So you have to run Riven. You have to beat Riven. You have to go open the chests for a chance at 1K. And it's got a stupidly low drop rate. It's a very coveted heavy exotic. Um, Ray Gear right now has enhanced perks. I mean, the armor does, but are you really going to try and say enhanced reload over, like, enhanced hand cannon reload over hand cannon reload is strong enough to warrant? Like, no, I, I, I completely disagree. The marginal difference between regular reload and enhanced is so small. Now, maybe flinch, okay, but you can also get enhanced on Dreaming City gear. So, again, you've got gear that can be gotten from a endgame public space and from the raid. Again, nothing significantly special about Last Wish raid gear. Guns are primarily what I had in mind anyway. So, I mean, enhanced is a, is a start. If you listen to the talk, uh, I basically said they could they could put a curated role that is like, if you get... Th- if you get this, then you automatically get enhanced perks. If you get curated armor from the raid, it comes with all enhanced perks or whatever. So then there's like a clear distinction. Damascus, since it takes around six cores to masterwork, should we get the same from breaking down a masterwork weapon? You get seven right now from breaking down an entirely masterwork weapon, and it takes more than six. I believe it's 17. I believe 17 is the count for a fully masterworked gun. Uh, and what this means is is that you're getting a portion of that back. Uh, you're getting close to half, uh, a little under half. So what is that? I mean, it might be like 40%. Kamikaze, with curated rolls and a few weapons with unique perks that aren't available on any other weapons, do you think more curated rolls should have their own unique perk or is nowhere else or just unique perks only available on a few curated rolls? You got to read your question, man. Like you're With curated rolls and a few weapons with unique perks that aren't available on any other weapon, do you think more curated rolls should have their own unique perk that is nowhere else, or just those unique perks only available on a few curated rolls? Like, you're you're saying you're not even, that's not a question. You're asking, should we do A or A? In any case, I think curated rolls are the best place um, to do that. Unique perks on curated rolls is the best place to do that. Why? Because then they can make sure they're balanced. If 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 the Luna's Howl could drop with Magnificent Howl and it could roll with other rolls, you could potentially you could potentially end up with rolls that are either 
broken or way too strong or you know whatever the case may be um so you might that that's why curated roles is a better setup because you don't want you don't want people to be like well my version's not nearly as good and it took me forever to get it and this guy just got a random drop on the Lunas Hal and his is better than mine that's not i don't think that's a situation you want to introduce with curated roles that are attached to quest lines i think that's a problem um, that you that, that i don't think would be alleviated by being like well anybody can get it so curated roles that you grind for with a quest line you should not be able to get that perk anywhere else enviro do you think there should be more direct paths to get curated roles for dreaming city weapons nightfalls have uh nightfalls have fairly straightforward ways to farm but the bounties rarely seem to drop a variety of weapons blindwell uh, is void of loot could this be a decent way to integrate a nice farm thoughts yes 100% blindwell is been addressed by bungie they're aware that it needs its own loot because uh, for whatever the frick reason they thought building a grindable horde mode style piece of content didn't need loot which i i don't sometimes i don't understand bungie's logic i'm like okay so you thought okay you thought that it was a good idea to build grindable content that has no loot in it blue blue crap drops from it it's basically a glorified public event it's like did you not learn from the infinite forest and how dissatisfied people were from the infinite forest oh wow we we made infinite forest the centerpiece of a stream talked about how it was this infinitely changing place and then you couldn't grind it or farm it and everyone got ticked and then Bungie's like, okay, here's something you can farm anytime you want. It's called the Blind Well. Thank you, Bungie. And then they're like, but there's no real loot in it. What? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, even Archon's Forge had unique loot you could get in it. So it's like, it made sense to be in there. And with curated roles, I think you're onto something. There could be a curated tiger. There, Well, there is, right? I got the curated vouch safe, I think like my first, my first week in the Dreaming City. So, I, I think it's a real easy fix. I don't think it's going to take that long. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Blindwell loot update when the annual pass uh, hits and the season rolls over. Um, here's the Blindwell loot pool. It's been adjusted to have these in them. Uh, high probabilities of legendary Dreaming City stuff to drop. And then, obviously, then that gives you the opportunity to say, I'm grinding all day for a, a curated Tiger Spite. I don't even know what the tur- curated Tiger Spite is. You know, curated vouchsafe's pretty nice. It ain't that amazing. The Dreaming City Pulse is a Nightfall specific, as far as I know. I don't think there's another Dreaming City Pulse. The one I'm using right now, Horror's Least, as far as I know, is the Dreaming City Pulse. Uh, it's a Grasp of Malak archetype like that fast, super fast fire rate. So, you know, that's, that's a huge, huge opportunity where... And again, Bungie's tricky, right? I mean, Bungie's kind of tricky... Sometimes I think they intentionally make something kind of vacant so they can invest in it later, uh, like the Infinite Forest. It's like, well, we can use this later, you know, and their argument would be, we don't really need to put anything in here right now. There's going to be so much for people to do. How many people in the community are going to get to the place where they're like, oh man, Blind Well is so boring and worthless. 
if 75% of the player base is still using Blind Well for its intended purpose, which is bounties, which is powerful engrams, which is they're trying to level up, then it's kind of functioning as it's supposed to. And then as the scales tip and more and more people are like, Blindwell's kind of pointless, there's no loot to chase, I don't really need the bounties anymore, I don't really need the power anymore. Once that scale tips, then Bungie's like, oh hey, we just made Blindwell better. And everyone's like, yay, thank you Bungie. Because think about it, they don't get to do that if they put loot in there right away, because then by the time the rest of the community gets to that tipping point of like, oh, I wish there was loot in Blindwell, how many hardcores have walked away from Blindwell? And they're like, eh, I don't have really reason to run it. It's like a unified injection of relevancy. Oh, well, nobody's really running blind well. Nobody really cares to run blind well. Here, everybody now has a reason to run blind well. If if there was loot in there now that you could pursue, it would kind of be like Escalation Protocol Shotgun. People would slowly get what they want and trickle out the back door, and they're like, I'm not gonna, there's no reason to run blind well, which hurts the public space engagement, which hurts the people that suddenly care. Like, oh, well, now that I'm strong enough to consistently grind blind well, there's never anybody here. But if Bungie says, A, starting this season, we've made Blindwell better, it brings every single person back, and that's good because then both the casual and the hardcore player have a reason to be there, and you have like this increased player engagement that you wouldn't get, I don't think, uh, if it was right off the rip that it was all in there. So again, I think sometimes Bungie is withholding by design. They're like, well, if we're if we don't give anybody any reason to grind this, we can do it later, and it increases uh, it increases uh, player engagement. So, next question from Nova Hands, and we are short on questions right now. Uh, only two left. If you want to submit questions, it doesn't have to be about curated roles. It can be just about Destiny Two in general. Use that question command in chat. I don't mind a short question answer session. That's totally fine. Uh, but if you've been kind of thinking about adding to the discussion, feel free. Uh, Novahan says, Hey Lono, do you think we need top tier elemental sniper in the game like some of the high impact ones from D1, Event Horizons, Ex Mechanica? Uh, I feel forced to run shoddy all the time. This is a far reaching problem that giving us a high impact sniper isn't necessarily even a solution. If you could have a, an Event Horizon right now, even with the best possible role in this sniper perk pool, I still think you would feel motivated to run a shotgun because it's not that difficult to close space and shotguns are basically what the strongest archetype gun in the game. Now, oh, you that's contextual. You have to close space. It's so much PvE content, it's not difficult to close space. It's very easy. Our, our, our guardians are fast and the enemies are kind of stupid. There's a lot of cover you can use to close space and, you know, get get right up on top of an enemy. So, I think the the only way you make snipers viable is, number one, you gotta unnerf box breathing. That nerf, that nerf's hurting things significantly because that's a perk that's strong. Now, some people might not like that because they basically made it to where box breathing shows up uh, on linears, so maybe only unnerf it on snipers. If it's unnerfed on linears, you might get some more variety in your, you know, your heavy weapon loadouts. Because right now, everyone pretty much runs exotic heavies, and that could be another way to kind of unseat unseat the established order. 14 months from first fate. Thank you so much. Oh hey, yeah. Uh, oh hey, another month has gone by. Thank you so much for keeping your prime sub here. I appreciate everybody who uses their prime subs on my channel. Um. So. The, the problem of snipers is, is, far, is far more reaching, I think, than just bringing in high impact. Um, 
so I would say that one of the one of the solutions would be yeah, bring back some heavy hitters, but we need perks that are better. An unnerfed box breathing would be a good place to start. Uh, you need to keep something like triple tap or rapid fire. Well, rapid fire, maybe not, but like triple tap or something like uh, four times the charm to keep the sniper with ammo in it. That's the only way you're going to turn the, the sniper into something that would potentially then help when you're trying to do boss damage. Now, the thing to consider here is... In conjunction with this, I think high rate of fire shotguns need to do less damage to bosses. Because a boss, the argument should be that a boss is a high armored enemy and the pellets should be not a strong enough to, you know, to penetrate the armor. You know, that armor is too strong for blasters, kind of the thing. It's big. It's gigantic. Shotguns should be ripping through majors and shields, and that's exactly how they should function. Maybe even mini bosses. But a named boss... No, you should you should be using supers and heavies on named bosses. That's the spectrum of enemy matching with the spectrum of power in the game. And I think that would then give room for snipers. You'd be like, well, this sniper has all these perks, and if I sit back, I can get great damage on the boss. Well, Lono, aren't you making an energy weapon, a DPS, you know, a DPS weapon? If it's related to skill as well as like you sitting back, you're sacrificing a lot to run the sniper that way. You're not using the sniper on majors and shielded enemies, so that's damage and efficiency loss. Maybe when you're doing that, you're using a rocket or a 1k voices to clear ads, and because you're doing that, again, like it, it kind of logically makes sense to say your sniper can do decent damage against this named enemy because of the sacrifices you're making both accuracy needed to have it run well and as well as you kind of not using that go-to shield buster that go-to melee buster or like shield buster major buster i'm sorry you're sacrificing and then you're only really getting you're only really getting good drops i'm sorry good dips if you use it efficiently so it's not a guarantee that's one of the issues with high rate of high rate of fire shotguns they're like guaranteed strong dps against bosses well only against stationary bosses well pretty much every boss is stationary they're big slow and dumb and you can tank the knockback by meleeing so i you know maybe they should say you can't tank the knockback Maybe they could adjust that. I don't know if they can, because basically what you're doing is, is you're using the in-game momentum of the melee to cancel the knockback. I don't know if they can go in there and change the physics. But if shotguns just did less damage, especially high rate of fire, maybe not even all shotguns, high rate of fire shotguns doing less damage, doing less damage to the named bosses, it might help give room then for perks on snipers and fusions to get some ground. Because right now, even if you made fusions and snipers stronger, I still don't think they would compete to the sort of mindless ability, uh, the mindless ability of a shotgun to do lots of damage. There's just nothing, there's no reason to take it off. A lot of gamer, Halono just jumped in the chat and was wondering, do you have hope that the Black Armory uh, and other annual pass content will expand more on perks and mods? Yeah, I've touched on this quite a bit just today how that would be an opportunity to change curated roles, to change perk pools, to say, hey, fusion rifles specifically and snipers just didn't get any love in whatever season we're in now. Um, I think this is season... Is this, what is it, season four? 
the Forsaken season didn't get any, you know, fusions and snipers didn't get any love, and we're now kind of motivating you to use some of them or to grind for some of them. Uh, and some of these guns that didn't have the best rolls on them when you grinded for them in the nightfall, you know, they were okay. Now they're significantly better. Oh, and all of the raid guns perk pools have been updated as well as the curated rolls. Now, people might push back and say, well, I missed the opportunity to get the curated roll from that season. This is where NPCs can save you, and this is what Bungie could do in that in that scenario. Okay? Well, I didn't get, you know, the season, the, the Forsaken season ch- Chattering Bones curated roll, and I know it's really, really good. I, you know, I wish that, I wish that would be you know, continuing to drop. Well, an NPC can save you. You grind for enough XP, or again, you could bring back tokens. Don't 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 supplant any weapon drops with tokens. But you could say, you know, here is the ability to get some tokens per encounter, and we're gonna let you go and buy the season one season opener uh, raid gear just by going to the the raid NPC. This is, this is, again, an area where raid NPCs can be a huge, huge backstop and help so that you don't feel so locked in. Because then what Bungie could do in all future content, all future content, they could say, well, uh, we know people really like to run raids, and we know they like raids to have relevancy that's extended. We always can sort of re-examine where raid gear is landing. Everyone hates the scout and the rocket launcher. Okay, what can we do to change that? Can we re- can we change the archetype? Can we change the roles? Could we do a curated role on the rocket launcher with some insane perk that you can't get anywhere else? So you go with the weaker frame rocket launcher and you get some insane benefit. Like that enables Bungie to say every season, like let's revisit all end game content, all curated roles, and then make an assessment, and then also add one or two curated role quests like they did with Luna, Not Forgotten. Famous Random, do you think current status and drop rate of exotics is good, bad, ETC? The drop rate of exotics isn't bad. It's the drop rate of Forsaken exotics that's bad. Right? I don't mind seeing one or two exotics in a given week to a week and a half. I think at my play rate, that's not bad. It's probably even higher than that if you run the raid. The raid seems to have a really, really high exotic drop rate. My pushback is, if you've been playing this game since Vanilla launched, there's nothing more irritating than, you know, spending... 16 hours at Riven and finally beating him, finally beating her, going into her throne room and getting Syntheseps. Like, again, talk about a punch, like, just directly in the stomach. Thank you so much for, for playing this incredibly hard content. Here is something that you have zero desire for. You know, I don't know. And I also have said, I think if exotics drop, I think if exotics drop, they should, uh, they should not supersede the other drops. You should still get raid drops even if an exotic drops. Because if you're farming for a god roll weapon and you get, you know, an exotic to drop, it's a little frustrating because eventually, too, you're going to have all the exotics and you never want endgame content doing that. Now, I might be over, I might be overstating the problem, right? How long is it going to take to get all the raid, exo- all the, all the forsaken exotics? It might take longer than it even matters. So you would still be glad to get them. Stabbing King, do you think 1K voices needs buffed or ammo increased? 1K is fine on PvP. Now, I don't know if it's broken damage because of the frame rate or if it's the appropriate damage uh, because of the frame rate. I honestly don't know. 
Uh, the ammo capacity out of the box should be four in the chamber, four on reserve. I think having it drop with seven max ammo is stupid. You have to literally run a perk on a on a helmet just to get it to four in the chamber, four in reserve. You get literally one bullet. You're kind of making perks really not exciting if you have to make an end game highly anticip- highly sought after exotic like mediocre. Um, you make it's basically it's mediocre. It's okay. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about the gun now, right? I'm talking about the ammo capacity. Like, oh wow, I have to literally use a perk just so this is like a mediocre with with respect to its ammo. I I don't think that should be how you design it. Now, if I get four in the gun and four on reserve and then I run the perk I should have 4 in the gun and 6 on reserve then the perk is worth half an extra clip I think that's completely and utterly valid I'm literally using a one perk on a pair on a helmet and that's that's a that's that's I'm sacrificing what could be another perk or something for one extra bullet now someone might say well it's the 1k voices that extra bullet can be the difference between winning and losing a gambit game uh, granted, granted, but again, out of the box, I don't think a weapon should feel, especially an exotic, out of the box, a weapon should not feel deficient in its design. And that's what the 1K kind of feels like out of the box. Super strong weapon. But, like, just by design, it's like, out of the box, something's wrong here, you know? Game Shimmy, do you feel, uh, do you feel with glitching in the game that Bungie needs to get on this? Uh, it's too generic of a question. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, how do you feel about perks in general? I feel there's far too little. Kill Clip Outlaw shouldn't be the only god roll. Okay, you can go back and you can watch my talks before Forsaken came out. Uh, I have my Forsaken Hopes talk. I think I have a talk about random rolls coming back to the game. And my number one concern and reservation, my number one concern and reservation was that you don't give us enough perk depth and perk diversity and the ability to infuse the midnight coup is going to make it really hard to use any other primary now i told people i said after what we saw from the streams there's so much perk depth now there's so many perks active on a given gun you're not going to want to use your one weapons i was a hundred percent wrong using now Ikelos shotgun's a huge exception right let's imagine it doesn't exist let's imagine it's just a really really strong shotgun and it's not king for you know boss dps or whatever you would still probably be running Ikelos because even if you know trench barrel was reined in or boss damage was reined in it would still be the best energy weapon to use because of its rate of fire and its perk combinations and then the rampage outlaw roll on the midnight coup you know, Bungie just didn't introduce anything new, and because they didn't introduce anything new, like you, and this is a, this is like again, this is what I said. I said if they don't give good perk diversity and good perk power, and I may have even talked about needing new perks. I said I was like, it's gonna make it hard to care about random rolls if you literally can't get anything better than year one gear because you can infuse everything all the way up those asking what I'm doing in this lost sector I'm working on the beginning of the Malfeasance quest which is to kill uh, the taken yellow bars I don't think this guy counts but I've been killing him anyway just in case I'm just not checking it because I've been talking to you fine folks instead of pulling up the menu so that I mean I I said before the content came out I said random rolls ain't gonna mean jack squat if you can bring all your year one gear with you because and I've said this 
there's only so much you can do within a given archetype. So the Midnight Coup is one of the best combinations on that archetype. Why? It's got great aim assist, and Rampage Outlaw is just scrappy. People always ask me, why are you using Midnight Coup instead of Better Devils? I just always liked the way that it felt. And I guess they kind of nerfed Better Devils with something that they did to do Explosive Payload, so then Midnight Coup kind of became kind of became the, the meta. Everybody's like, oh, you just use Midnight Coup in endgame content. Within that archetype of a hand cannon, you can't make it any better than that unless you introduce a new perk. Um, so, I, in my in my mind, uh, I think that's how you that's how you do it. You have to introduce new perks, something stronger, something better. Because if not, you're always going to be able to pivot to year one gear and be like, I have no reason to grind for anything, no 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 reason at all. Why do you think people grinded for Luna's Hal, Not Forgotten, and the Broadsword? Because there are perks on those guns you can't get anywhere else. Why do you think hardcore raiders are kind of shrugging at raid gear? Right? Why? Because they have gear already that basically matches the lethality of raid gear. You know, and I, and I love Chattering Bones, but I tried using Chattering Bones in the uh, in Gambit today, and it just didn't work. It was like it just didn't feel that it just didn't feel that strong. It was okay. I didn't feel like it was a piece of trash, but like I don't know. I felt like I could have been running around. I I 100% know I could have been running around with a midnight coup, and I would have been significantly more efficient running around with the midnight coup than running around with a really good roll on a chattering bones. Um, I don't know, and I think that's a problem when you look at when you look at end game incentivization. Danny goes raw. In regards to your PvE needs Luna, would you not say Sleeper and the Exotic Sword are PvE equivalents, not to mention Malfeasance? No, they're not. They're not equivalents. Because they're exotics. Like, look, look at look at the question and really think about what you're saying. You're saying that the Broadsword, legendary, Luna, legendary, and the Not Forgotten, legendary. They're all legendary with unique perks. That's how unique perks function, right? It's like, oh, there's random roles, there's curated roles, and then there's like the unique perks, and that becomes this giant motivator, okay? Malfeasance is getting a buff, so we'll imagine that it's a good weapon, because right now it's not. Sleeper had its own quest, and then the Wish Ender had a, had a quest, kind of. But they're exotics. So you're grinding for a gun that once you get it, you're done, which is similar to Aluna's, but it's, it's an exotic, so it should be... You know what I mean? It's like, I take care of my kids. What do you want, a cookie? It's like, well, you have an exotic that's really strong. Yeah, what do you want, a cookie? It should be strong. It's a freaking exotic. You don't get, a tr- you don't get like, a, a, a trophy for saying, oh, we put exotics in the game that are really strong. Yeah, you should. That's what they are. They're exotics. So, to me, the, the grind for a Luna's and the grind for a Not Forgotten is not equal to the grind for a Sleeper or a Malfeasance, because if they make Malfeasance better, then, it, you know, it'll be a good exotic, right? Because they're exotics, they don't land on, on, the, on the desire that I'm, I'm asking for. You're, I think you're asking for you're asking for PVE to always function as it has. I'm saying, man, you guys did something to PVP that was a, a huge, huge motivator for PVP players. It'd be really, really good to do something similar. It'd be really good to do something similar in PVE. And people are like, oh, you already got you already got you know all the stuff in PVE. Why would you ever argue against more content? I've, I've never understood that. 
Well, you guys have plenty to go for. Well, step into the PvE landscape for a second. We actually don't. We don't really have anything significant to chase right now. Malfeasance, sure, but until it gets a buff, it's not that great. Wishender, eh, not that hard to get, honestly, now that everybody knows how to do the uh, the dungeon. And then all of the legendary gear in the raids, all of the Nightfall exclusives, none of those are none of those are, are pinnacle, none of those have exclusive perks, and then you have the 1k voices in the raid. That's it. Like, you have a couple exotics and then a bunch of legendaries that ultimately don't matter. So, no, we don't have all the loot. That's the grand irony. PvP tends to, right now, have a a greater sense of loot pursuit than PvE, which is odd in a loot pursuit game. Calcuttaho says, Where do you think PvE-based pinnacle weapons uh, should be on the power spectrum? Balance or overpowered? Direct upgrades or other exotics? Well, you can have, like, you can have a spectrum, right? So when you go into the Crucible, Not Forgotten is the strongest legendary weapon you can arguably take into the Crucible. And then as far as exotics that are really strong in the Crucible, you would say, that, you know, the Chaperone in the right hands is silly because it's very strong on range if you land if you land a crit. Uh, so Chaperone's silly. And then I'm trying to think of other exotics that people tend to pivot to in pvp there aren't a lot right we don't have a truth we don't have like a you kind of want to use this exotic right now in pvp so i'm not actually sure if there isn't if there is sort of a, a pinnacle weapon exotic for pvp maybe that's why I say peep maybe that's why people are like saying that the lunas is like an exotic you know telesto right there you go well you can't use telesto and the not forgotten right because they're both energy so, Telesto would be like a pinnacle exotic. Now, you're asking me where should they be on the, the power spectrum. I think you can have PvE weapons on a spectrum of there's good rolls, and those are kind of in the middle. There's trash rolls, right? Like when you get a scout rifle with hip fire or something. There's trash rolls, there's good rolls, there's god rolls. God rolls, there's room for debate, right? Somebody might want outlaw and kill clip, somebody might want outlaw and rampage. And then I think there's room for another thing on the spectrum, which is what I've been arguing for, a curated role with a unique perk. It's like just under an exotic. It's not an exotic. It's close. That's what the Ikelos shotgun is. The the actual irony is the Ikelos shotgun is an exotic in disguise. It's better than all exotics in the game. But that's kind of the idea behind the Ikelos. It's a step above all legendary energy weapons, and it uh, and, and, and it's not an exotic. It should be a step below exotics, and it's not. That's why it needs... I think it needs tweaked because it throws off the power spectrum logic of the game. Now, after you have the curated roles with their with their unique power, then you have the exotics with their unique power and they're they're sort of high on the spectrum, right? So if you get a if you got a box breathing if you got a box breathing crooked fang, that's a very very strong strong you know, roll on a linear fusion, but it ain't a sleeper. Now, if you use it properly with box breathing, you might output pretty good damage and justify using it, and the reason you would be doing that maybe is there's a primary exotic that you'd like to use, and this frees you up to do so. Again, you're creating a spectrum where within that spectrum, there's freedom to kind of switch things around. Because right now... If you remember a lot of the loadouts that people ran in Wrath of the Machine, there was a lot of different exotics used... And they were all in the power slot. You either ran Dark Drinker, Galley, or Sleeper, right? 
and then I ran Starfire Protocol, but that doesn't limit my gun loadout. So that's where I think you you could use. This is why curated roles are so important. Okay, I've not made this point before, but I'm going to make it now. A curated Crooked Fang with box breathing and maybe a unique perk that pairs with box breathing that like all subsequent box breathing hits get a, get a damage buff. So by the end of your clip on on, on, a, on a Crooked Fang, you're doing a, a, a stupid amount of damage that's related to a skill gap, right? Well, you just made a weapon strong enough to justify not using Sleeper or not using, uh, or not using your 1K, right? Uh... And so for me, for me, that creates then freedom within the build. Now you don't feel like, dude, there's nothing in the power slot that even comes close to Sleeper, Whisper, uh, or 1K Voices. Well, curated loadouts could create that idea that, no, 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 dude, there there are some really strong power weapons in the game. You just got to go grind for the curated roll. And now you can put that on and feel like, hey, I can throw on my Malfeasance. I can throw on my Telesto and go run PvE content and not feel like I'm putting the God Killer in the box just so I can run Malfeasance or just so I can run Wish Ender. And they're like, oh, well, just make all the other weapons stronger. That's an answer, but so is what I'm saying. Give me a spectrum within, and this is where Black Armory could come into play, right? We're, we're hearing that, like, the Black Armory is going to introduce new weapon types, a new weapon classification. Well, that's what the curated roles could be, right? A curated role is like a step under an exotic. It's not quite exotic. It's good. It's strong. And it gives you that motivation to say, eh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my exotic away so I can run Malfeasance. The more nuanced the spectrum of weapons is, the less the less one-dimensional builds will become. Hand cannon, uh, Ikelos shotgun, sleeper. Hand cannon, Ikelos shotgun, 1K voices. We haven't come very far in the Forsaken Pinnacle weapon grind and diversity of loadouts and builds, which is what we were promised. We haven't come very far if that's what everybody's running once they've kind of run the gamut of the content and they're like, yeah, there's not really much worth grinding for. All this stuff's still the best. Uh, would Icebreaker effect be good? No, I don't think subverting ammo economy is ever a good idea because uh, it hurts PvP and makes it hard to balance. Uh, Bramora, a lot of people think in Forsaken, Bungie have taken steps in the right direction. What do you think the most important steps to maybe next improve the game would make it enjoyable uh, in all any game modes? If I was in charge right now and I was at the next meeting and I said, all right, well, we need to set our sights on for Black Armory or joker's wild we need to upset the established order right now let's brainstorm how do you get people to stop using ikolos how do you get people to stop using the the midnight coup we want to respect people's grind so we're not gonna we're not gonna ham fist this we want this to be driven by incentive we want people to say this isn't worth running anymore this new thing's worth running and go and I would just listen to all the different departments all their different ideas every team I want the raid team to come up with something I want the team in charge of strikes and strike specific loot I want the, the teams in charge of you know exotic and exotic quest lines I want the sandbox team to weigh in I, I want everybody to weigh in like what can we do to upset the established order that's where I would set my sights if I was in charge. That would be how I would run that meeting. Give me ideas right now. What do you got? And go and just put everything on the wall and just do what works. Do what works. Test, iterate, 
obviously go back and forth because if the, if if the raid team wants to do this and the sandbox team wants to do this, they might either undercut each other or create overpowered weapons. Because the sandbox team might say, well, we need to make fusion rifles really, really strong. They're too weak. And then the raid team might be like, well, let's make the Techian force stupidly strong. It's raid. Let's add these perks and perk combinations, blah, 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 blah. And then those two those two teams make make a, a broken weapon, you know? Like, you got to be careful. And that's why you have that big meeting or at least have some good interplay between the departments so one team doesn't either... Because one team could be like, uh, we're going to add all this stuff, and because we're going to add all this stuff to fusions, we're going to have to actually lower their damage or they're going to be broken, and then that might undercut what the raid team comes up with for the Techian Force. You see what I'm saying? That's what I would be doing. And I would set my sights on saying, first and foremost, can we do this with curated roles? Can we set our sights on curated raid gear and curated nightfall gear to upset the established order because that's a narrow control base? You're not blanketedly making all weapons stronger. You're not blanketedly throwing perks in the perk pool that could break everything. I'll just put just put trench barrel on everything. You know what I'm saying? Just put uh, box breathing on everything. You don't want to do that. I think it'd be easier to drill down on curated roles because that's a more that's a more controlled environment. Stabbing King, do you think Telesto should be moved to the heavy slot? I think Telesto should be moved to the heavy slot in PvP. I think Telesto should be moved to the heavy slot in PvP. Don't mess with it in PvE. But this is where the game needs split in half. You you have a weapon that's if you nerf Telesto, you or at the very least nerf it so that it only gets nerfed in PvE. If you nerf Telesto, that weapon becomes a, like literally right now it's hard to even justify using it because it's an exotic, because heavy exotics are so influential in PvE content. Um, you make Telesto weaker in PvE, and you're you're setting that thing up to basically not even show up anymore at all um and that's a problem because it's that's a, that's a that's a year one is that a year one i can't remember when they added telesto that's a year one great weapon i don't want that thing hurt uh duke reigns i see your pve luna pursuit as seeking balance for carrots between pve and pvp what about activities any ideas on more end game pvp than just comp clearly trials of the nine barf wasn't it um, something to stack up against a raid since we're trying to give PvE players something to stack up against this, the, PV, the special weapons and perks in PvP. I don't really have the answer for PvP other than to make trials not a, not a, a garbage can. Like, making trials not a garbage can would be the first step. You know, try well, gosh, trials is in bad shape. And, I, you know, it's in bad shape because of map design, lethality of weapons, radar reach. There's so many things that would make right now, if Trials of the Nine was suddenly back, it would be not fun at all. It'd be really, really hard to play and enjoy yourself. Because you'd feel like, man, oh man, I just, I, I, get, no, I get nothing but lane shot by, by pulses. Because that's what Countdown is, right? Countdown is like, sit on the lane, wait for them to come, and with how incredibly strong everything is now, it leads to it leads to some very very frustration. Uh, frustration. It leads to some very frustrating games, and we all know trials leads the meta. Now you could potentially just bring back three v three elimination and no more countdown, no more survival. Three v three elimination, I think, worked. 3v3 elimination I think on this current map design would really really struggle for lane camping because there's only three of you right 
Some maps might need looked at to not be in the trials rotation, but the reason 4v4 and countdown is so easy to lane camp is because if you're defending, they have to come to you. And you look down the lanes, and unless there's a lot of verticality on the approach, they enter the lane and you're just going to freaking melt them with a with a go figure or a bygones, you know, or any of the strong pulses in the game. Because their range and their lethality is so strong, if two of them hit you, unless you instantly dodge as a hunter, you're not leaving the lane fast enough. You're dead. You're just, you're dead. And so 3v3, I think that's harder to pull off. Because if you overcommit to a lane and you're watching, and then they come from another direction and maybe chuck a nade or something, and then destabilize you and get a pick, if they get a pick, you're in, you're in bad shape. Because now you got two people trying to watch all choke points. That brings back that pick and collapse, you know, uh, skill and, and and intensity that was in trials when it was three v three elimination. Because it's just it's just a very different environment with three v three elimination. It brings back there was some kind of special sauce there that they lost because they they went for four v four maps with double primary and and really really slow ttk and that just leads to just not not what you want there wasn't that skill expression there wasn't that intensity there wasn't those big plays um i gotta do this three more times so i i would that's what i would set my sights i'm not the expert on the sandbox of pvp but i think 3v3 elimination would tone down some of the frustration with trials and then that's your p that's another pvp endgame comp uh, as far as i can tell the people getting lunas and not forgotten in the broadsword their biggest struggle with comp is dcs and ddosers that's their biggest struggle with comp Obviously, if they're playing solo, that that's that's frustrating on its own. But that's you're kind of going into an environment you don't belong, right? I mean, it's supposed to be competitive. You're supposed to be on a team. I don't know what the solution is for solo PvP players, honestly. Gambit's really tough for solo queue, and comp grind's got to be pretty tough for solo queue. Um, Hashenberg, do you think they should spend more time working on D3 so we can take our curated role weapons with us? Your thoughts on doing all the work for these amazing roles only for them to become obsolete when the next installment comes out. Okay, my pushback on this, and I'm going to be pretty hard. I'm really going to push back on you uh, pretty tough here, okay? Um, what what reason do you have to grind for new gear if you can always bring old gear with you that st- maintains its relevancy and power? Six months from Floyd. Six months? You're dope and deserve dope stuff. Lona, love the content. Thank you so much, dude. That's a purple badge. Why am I going to chase new gear if in Destiny 3, like, think about what you're saying here. Destiny 3 rolls around, and I'm running around with a curated Luna's Howl, or a Not Forgotten, and my justification is, well, what was the reason for grinding forward in the first place? Because you played Destiny every day or weekend and had a really great gun, and it affected your encounters and your experience. How is that not the reasoning of a player who grinds every day for cop grind, not forgotten Luna's how? So you're grinding every day and playing and your motivation is to have a weapon that you keep with you eternally. That's your mindset. I don't think that's your mindset. I think you're injecting a mindset that most loot pursuit players don't share. I think, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, 
I'm going to say some things here that's going to, oh, you being mean. I think a lot of the bring our weapons with us crybabies, I think a lot of those people create a mindset that is not shared by most fans of Loot Pursuit games. Most fans of Loot Pursuit games understand that they that they pursue the loot, get the best loot, that is the best loot within that within that ethos, and they play, and they get awesome stuff, and then that awesome stuff helps them get awesome stuff in the next DLC, right? So your Midnight Coup and your Ikelos Shotgun and your Sleeper, exotics are tough. I think they should permeate. That's not a problem, but... You know, obviously they've introduced new exotics to kind of grab our attention, but your Midnight Coup and your Ikelos should have helped you get new gear that then you were like, oh, this is clearly better. This is clearly better, and I'm going to shelve this, right? This idea that like, well, what's the point in grinding for the gear if it's made irrelevant by new stronger gear? I, I don't know what the frick game you're playing, but I'm not playing Antique Collector. Like... Oh, I got a, a, a gun nine months ago, ten months ago, and I'm still using it. And I never want to use anything else. I, I, I just don't know if that's, a, if that's a sentimentality shared by most of the people that play Loot Pursuit games. I just, who plays a Loot Pursuit game and doesn't want to pursue loot because they got good loot one time? Who are these players? Right? Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to bring your gear forward. Like, again, there's a fine balance, right? You got to dance on the razor here. It's a fine line. Respecting the grind and the investment of players that are like, man, I just got my Ikelos. I just got my Midnight Coup. And here comes DLC that says, I can't take any of it with me. That's like a harsh wall, right? In the way, blocks you. You're like, oh, well, frick. I can't use any of this that's a bit too extreme i think the the appropriate way and i've always said this there's two approaches to changing player behavior you can restrict player behavior or you can incentivize player behavior i've always said incentivization is the key to changing player behavior this is how you get people to play pvp differently this is how you get people to change their loadouts and not run meta you introduce new things that draw their attention and motivate them to put things down that they're currently thinking is their best right that idea of why grind if it's just going to be taken away in a couple of months i get that sentimentality of like oh they're literally gonna lock this don't lock this gear i don't want to make 75 percent of the content irrelevant every time dlc comes out right oh brand new dlc and now all the guns and gear from the main game are worthless i i, I think the way they approach this was right They were so close, man. They got it half right. You can bring all your year stuff with you. Right? You can bring all your year stuff with you. If you love your your Midnight Coup, if you just love your Better Devils, go ahead and bring it with you. But there's random rolls and curated rolls, and you're probably going to start to feel like your year one gear is not as good. The reason that that scale didn't tip and the reason that didn't happen is Bungie stopped short. There aren't strong enough PvE perks. There are not new perks. There are not strong enough reasons to be like, well, I got a better Devils with Outlaw and and Kill Clip and I can add Targeting Adjuster mod to it. The difference between that better Devils and a Midnight Coup is like, it's so small. Super small. And even then, you're still working in the same framework where you're still using a year one weapon. It just has a random roll on it, right? Now, if they would have done all this 
and uh, the Dreaming City, the Dreaming City had a hand cannon in it, or the raid had a hand cannon in it, or if the Chattering Bone had some perk on it that was like, dude, why are you running Midnight Coup? You have a Chattering Bone curated role. Use that instead. Well, why? Dude, look at the perk on that. Oh. Oh, I've never even seen this perk before. Oh, look at this. Yeah, if you pair this with reload gauntlets, oh my gosh, reloads is instantaneous and you maintain a damage increase. And yeah, this is so much better. This is so much better than the than the Midnight Coup. Incentivization is always the key to change player behavior and player loadout. Uh, last question from Führer von Zephyr. Wait, how can you have that weapon that's in the one slot on one mode and a different slot on another? That doesn't seem possible in the structure of the game. Um, I mean, are you a bungee dev? Cause I'm not, I don't see why they couldn't do it. Uh, like if you try to equip the Telesto in the energy slot, it gets grayed out or it gets, it gets moved down or like, I just think it should just be grayed out where you're like, Oh, I can't use this right now. Like it's literally like, you can't even use it. It, it spawns with no ammo. You know, it spawns with no ammo. And then you're like, oh, frick. And then you gotta, like, slide it down or something. Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know the solution. I, I'm gonna tell you right now. I don't know the solution to Celesto. That was just something I rattled off the top of my head. Uh, at the very least, they could just say, Telesto is staying in the energy slot, but it's getting, it's getting slated with power ammo. If you want to use Telesto, go right ahead. It's not gonna spawn with ammo. Keep it in the same slot, but have it spawn with no ammo. And if you want to use it, well, go grab power bricks. Well, why? That's not fair. It is fair. We've slated all one-hit kill weapons to the power slot. What about shotguns? Well, shotguns, you actually have to close the gap and take an enormous risk, and you get two whole shots. You don't have to get very close at all to use Telesto. So that might be the easiest solution, is just to literally, in PvP, change its ammo type. But again, I don't know if that's easy to do, right? If you change its ammo type, it might mess it up in PvE. I don't know. So I am going to continue streaming, so do not go anywhere. We're going to keep on streaming. We're working on the Malfeasance quest. We did get it today. I'm going to chop this here, though, for the podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live, twitch.tv slash rage, or you can follow me on Twitter at rage. As with all of my content, I appreciate you watching and listening. Please like, share, and subscribe.